Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gutshot, home of the hottest takes in Magic the Gathering. I'm Fred, aka War Crimes Uwu, and joining me as always is my exuberant host, uh, Will, aka Aggressive Rhetoric. Yes, welcome to Gutshot, the only Magic the Gathering podcast that bulks out for $3 per 1,000 episodes. And uh, Fred, I think we got a very exciting one this time. We're not going to talk about like any of the gameplay mechanics or, or anything like that. We're purely talking aesthetics today. I, as a utilitarian, I despise aesthetic, I think. <laughs> or maybe I'm misunderstanding philosophy. But isn't that all philosophy? Uh, I am excited to talk about this. We're talking about our favorite borders. We're talking about our favorite uh, frames. We're talking about the look of the cards and which ones we like prefer to to play with, which ones we would like to come back, which ones we want our favorite cards to appear in. We, um, we have really moved into an era of Magic the Gathering. Like I, I think that we'll look back on this part, uh, this moment in time in Magic the Gathering's history. Like This is where the the frame train uh, uh decidedly has no breaks right we uh -huh. went so long with just frames always just being the same with you know um notable exceptions like future sight and stuff like that but like now every set's getting multiple new types of frames it's definitely a new era yeah and i think that's pretty close to objectively good for the game like um if you don't like the frames don't play with them if you play against them and it it shouldn't break your immersion, like it's it's fitting in with the aesthetic of the game, or at least all the good frames do. But like the Kaldheim frames, like they just look cool, you know, and they're optional. Yeah, for um, sure. I, I, yeah, I think most people can say that a lot of the new frames. I mean, there are some duds, but like um, you can't say that they aren't making interesting new frames. Uh, but oh, yeah. I yeah, exactly. Uh, before we get into that, let it, let's go into. Uh, uh, first of all, I just want to let everybody know. You know, uh, recently we've moved this to more of a, a YouTube-focused podcast. So, you know, if you are watching this on YouTube, it would mean so much to us if you would like, hit the like button, um, go and subscribe to us if you want to see more content from us. Uh, there's the bell icon, which you are more welcome to to, to hit if you'd like. Uh, we're not going to complain. And something we really like is uh, when people comment on our videos. It really helps us to know that people are, you know, listening to us, uh, you know, regardless of whether you have good things, bad things, you want to make fun of us, um, put it all in the comments. We want to hear it. Uh, we appreciate any Even if it's a hate comment. We appreciate any uh, uh, engagement you can give us, so thank you. Tell me to kill myself. Tell Will to kill himself. Tell Will to kill me. It's a, it's a free-for-all down there. Yeah, yeah. Um, po oh, hey, post your uh, manifesto. I would love to read it. I don't care how long Post my address. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But, um, okay, well, let's move on to uh, what other MTG <laughs> rutabagas are ruminating regarding. Um, so we're talking about frames today, but, like, there's a lot of magic news going on these days, and uh, we would be remiss to not mention it. And I think the number one magic news that's going on right now is the fact that Fred was on Disc Dandies. <laughs> True. Uh, I was on Will's other podcast. You should check it out. We're plugging it here. Uh, it's more of a general interest podcast. They just talk about media, games, movies, etc. They share recommendations, and then they talk about the, ne the next week. They talk about the thing that they recommended to each other, and I found it very fun. 
uh, I really loved being on it, and I love listening to it. Uh, unfortunately, some of the episodes are about anime, but if you can get past that, it's a very good podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, we had um, we had Fred on recently, and that episode should actually be coming out probably around the same time that this episode comes out. So if you're interested, just immediately go to Google, search Disc Dandies for the first thing that pops up, and look for the most recent episode. Uh, we had Fred on to talk about Pikmin, and it was a great conversation. Um, I ended up liking Pikmin a lot more than I thought I was going to, even though I had a, a little uh, bit of an issue trying to understand what was going on. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely entertaining to be on the podcast. It was good to play through that game again. Um, but in non-disc dandies news, uh, Magic the Gathering Universes Beyond has been announced. Uh, it's kicking off with a Lord of the Rings expansion and a set of Warhammer 40k Commander decks. Uh, we have talked before about our feelings on Magic the Gathering crossing over with other universes. I would prefer that it not be done. Uh, I think Magic has its own self-contained lore, and it would break my immersion to play against these things. Uh, and I think what frustrates me the most is Mark Rosewater on social media doing his sort of stereotypical, you just don't understand. Once you see it, you'll love it. Uh, like kind of dismissing out of hand anyone's concerns about their immersion being break broken. He basically said, you already have to play against cards you don't like if you play competitively, so this shouldn't be an issue for you. And that's a little frustrating. I hope these will play a small role um, in terms of their competitive viability, and they won't really turn the game into kind of Super Smash Brothers, the card game. Uh, but I'm a little bit pessimistic about that. Will, what are your thoughts on, um, on Universes Beyond? Yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And um, I, I would be lying if I didn't feel kind of the same way. But, um, you know, I, I'm choosing to look a, a, a little bit more optimistic. And first of all, starting with the fact that I was absolutely right. Do you remember me predicting 40K on our episode uh, way back? Yes, I do. So ma major props for that. Yeah, and that was just completely out of the blue. I, I mean, I was just like, hey, I like 40K. Why don't I say that? I'd like a 40K crossover. And uh, it's actually happening. Um, not, yeah. that I'm, not that I'm the biggest commander player. I actually don't see myself buying uh, any of the uh, 40k commander decks, but I, you know, I'm excited to see them. I want to see the implementation. Um, and uh, these cards will, um, they went ahead and let know that all of these cards will not be standard legal. So it's kind of the old um, uh, you know, way of like printing things in commander decks. They're only legal in internal formats and then commander, which is like the biggest format. So that's where all the, um, a lot of the concern is. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't play commander. Commander, it's bad. Uh, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, I'm not going to see any of these on arena, which is you know the, uh, you know the main way that I play Magic. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I just, I, I think that it's possible for wizards to approach this smartly and i guess i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt especially since i don't really have the ability to uh you know tell them no you can't do this uh, yeah so i guess i'm worried that like they didn't specifically say that they weren't going to be legal and modern uh so i don't know i'm a little worried about that but I, I i am not giving them the benefit of the doubt but we will see who who comes out right here Sure, sure, sure. So, um, so I know we did a whole episode on this, but I'm just gonna, um, you know, just ask you, uh, what, like, one, one IP. Now that we know this is happening, what one IP would you want to see? Um, my favorite IP that would probably be a good fit for uh, Magic: The Gathering would be Fire Emblem, but I don't want that because I don't want any crossovers. So I'm just gonna say, um. Yeah, I think you're the Broadway musical Dear Evan Hansen. 
I, yeah, I think your answer was just none when I asked this on the other uh, other. It uh, still is. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I think Lord of the Rings is actually kind of perfect. Um, you know, no one's really scoffing yeah. at the idea of uh, Dungeons and Dragons coming to Magic, and I think Lord of the Rings kind of, in terms of IPs that will not like. Uh, in, in terms of IPs that are like compatible with Magic's multiverse as it is right now, that are tonally um, consistent. Yeah, Lord of the Rings is probably the closest you could get. Um, you know, but yeah. so, so we'll leave it at that. There's lots of ink spilled on this. If you, if you want to hear, um, you know, more opinions about this, just go online. Just go on Reddit. It's a, it's a, it's all there. Um, but that's kind of the biggest thing that's going on in Magic. But instead of that, why don't we talk about something a bit more exciting? And that is interesting card frames. Uh, yes. Uh, pet update. I dropped my Girl Scout cookies earlier, so there were little bits of chocolate on the floor, so I made the dog get in her crate, and she hasn't left yet, and I think she's in trouble, and I feel really bad. Or I think she thinks she's in trouble. Oh, okay. And okay. I feel really bad. Uh, did, so. did, did she eat chocolate? No, no, no. Okay. I, I made her go in her crate to make sure that she didn't get any chocolate. Oh, okay, okay. Good, good. <laughs> I, worry. I yeah. worry about that. I worry about my cat getting into my coffee. Like, he's never tried to before, but I think, man, if he drinks any of that coffee, it's probably going to poison him. Yeah, Maya ate a K-cup once, oh. uh, and she was just noited for, like, two days. Based. Yeah. Um, but anyway, speaking of based, um, we're going to talk about Old Borders now. Um, not the uh, the store that was run out of business by Amazon, but the, uh, the, the, the part of your card that surrounds the picture and has the text on it. You, you know, just as uh, a little bit of warm-up information here, um, I know that, like, the, the meme is that a lot of competitive players don't actually care what the cards look like. They don't care about frames. They don't care about art. They literally just want numbers and text on a piece of cardboard, and they would be more than happy to, to play the game. Um, I'm definitely not one of those people. Um, I, I think one, one of the things that really brought me to magic was you know being a young kid and looking at the cards and thinking they looked so cool and uh, th this would have been in the old like old frame era so these were um you know a these were classic seventh edition commons like lanoir calvary that were really capturing my attention but the frames are important for a lot of players um it's not something we think about but it sets the tone for what we're doing with our cards um you know they they have a you know a big impact on the way we feel about the cards perceive the cards and and um wizard seems to really have been clued in on that recently which is why they're pumping out all these new frames um you know i think one example or I, I think one way that i know that this is true is that i can look at old like um you know frames from the past uh, like the one we're about to talk about and it just brings such a, a wave of nostalgia for mm -hmm. me and i i think that's all the proof i need that you know these frames that are you know cards are using like mean a lot and, and you know even if we don't think about it like these frames are important and um, um, it's something that it's worth caring about and we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think um, you said it really well. I, um, when I got into Magic, I got my uncle's old collection, so I do have some nostalgia for, like, the very old border, although I recognize it's probably not as cool as the, the new stuff. But I did, I did soy face over the old border um, 
Monastery Swift Spear and Primeval Titan and Bloodbraid Elf that got leaked from uh, Time Spiral Remastered. So, you know, I am not immune. Um, but yeah, we all have our favorite borders, our favorite styles they've used recently. They've obviously, like Will said, they've ramped up recently in terms of how many different ones we've seen. But that just gives us more to make our favorites and to hope for them to bring back. Um, so, Will, why don't you tell us about pro- possibly the most controversial one on this list? <laughs> yeah, it might be. Um, so, I'm gonna, I'm talking about white bordered cards uh, in general. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, uh, Magic cards originally have a black border, and the idea was that when cards were reprinted, like way back in the '90s, like when the first sets were coming out reprints would have a different border to differentiate them from the original printing um so you're like uh succinct core sets like you're a fourth edition fifth edition all the way up to ninth edition um and then um sets like chronicles and some others um all had white borders to make sure that people knew these were reprints um and they were i hate to say not well received they kind of had a reputation you know, as kind of uglier than the black border. And uh, Wizards kind of got in that train as well. With 10th edition, they decided to remove the white border and have all cards, uh, have all cards just be black border, which I think aesthetically looks the best. But mm-hmm. if you are an older player like me and your white card or white bordered cards were being uh, released when you were, um, you know, like coming up in Magic and you were like falling in love with these cards, you develop an attachment to them. Um, Ninth edition was a really um, important set to me. Like, you know, I started in original Mirrodin, but this was my first core set. And um, it just really spoke to me. It was very invocative. Like, I fell in love with that set to the point where I was trying to actually collect an entire set of it. Uh, These whiteboard cards, you know, really invoke a lot of nostalgia in me. These, like, these whiteboard cards are magic for me. Uh, as, as silly as that is to say, um, it's just um, this: it, the, the white borders are a piece of magic history that it's kind of unfortunate that they just exist in magic's history now, and it's not something that we can um, still enjoy to this day. But it, it's a piece of magic history I'll hang on to for a long time. Yeah, I I definitely like them. Um, I probably don't like them as much as the the black border cards of right now. Especially because white on silver would look awkward with the little rarity seal you get on cards now. But I will say, um, if I had to choose between $10 Modern Masters packs or Matter Masters packs that were the normal price, $4, but they had a white border, I would choose the latter in a heartbeat. Right. Um, I think that being their re- reprint policy to like help maybe protect the value of the older versions of the cards, whatever that means, is probably would probably be awesome if it led to, you know, I know MSRP isn't real anymore, but like... You know, $4 Modern Masters packs with white borders. I would, you know, snap those up. I would be really happy to see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, something I've been thinking about a lot, I mean, I'm just repeating myself now, but something that I've, th- I've thought about a lot is Magic has a very storied history. And mm-hmm. um, Wizard seems to, they're moving forward in some respects, but they're also kind of erasing the past in some respects. Uh, so, like, the mm-hmm. removal of DCI numbers and just the deletion of that entire database. You know, that was a huge piece of magic history that's now gone. And um, I, I, I don't know. I, I These days, since I'm such an old player, I've been playing since 2003. Um, or I guess, yeah, 2003. Um, I just find myself thinking about these artifacts of magic's history and just, I don't know, wishing we could go back, so to speak. 
Yeah, I think I I get that. Um, I I don't I, I I'm with you in like not trusting that every decision Wizards makes is a good one. Um, I think it's okay for some borders to be experiments that happen once. Um, but like also like Secret Layer has the opportunity to do like you know you guys like Future Sight Border we're gonna print five cards with Future Sight Borders. You know, yeah. um, that's a good place to potentially do it. Um, you know, the, the promos, there's just all kinds of places where they could do this one off for only the players who want it now. Uh, you know, we're not in an era where like four sets come out a year and every mad there's not, there has to be something for every magic player in those sets. Um, so I think I think we have more opportunities to experiment with stuff like that. Speaking of experiments, this is probably the most experimental card frame that magic has used, I would say. Uh, I'm talking about Future Sight. Oh, yes. Um, uh, yo, very yeah. weird, very out there, but also, like I mentioned, this is classic now. I mean, it's been so many years. Like, this is a piece of Magic's history as well. What do you like about the Future Sight frames? Uh, I just think they're neat. I think it was cool that they had symbol. They had symbols for every uh, card type that would go in the corner of this, um, in the top left corner of the Future Sight board. Um, most people fan their hand out left to right, so it turns out to be terrible to have the mana costs on the left side. Um, you can't put an ultimatum in these card frames. You can't put progenitus in these card frames. There's not enough little mana holes on yeah. the side. Uh, they kind of look like, uh, I don't know, like they belong to some like one-off TCG that released one set that was going for like a futuristic look. I, I like them. I think they're anachronistic and weird and cool and fun. Um, I, yeah, <laughs> the the demon with delve. I played that in modern for a minute, and I played future sight ones, future sight narcomibas. I love. I just love this border. Um, I would like to see it come back. I was pretty disappointed. I thought time spiral remastered would include all different kinds of borders, but they they only did the uh, the old border. They didn't do. Um, the future site border and they didn't do any plane shifted cards of plane shifted borders but i would not mind if they somehow brought this back again in the future if not in a standard set just in some secret layer or something yeah yeah i like your your comment that it just it looks like a you know just a random border for a card game that only got one set it's it's like they tried to do the the futuristic like oh you know um it kind of that desi the design elements of the mid 2000s it looks almost very like a mm. windows xp in a way but it's hampered by the fact that it also has to mostly look like a magic card uh, you know, like yeah. all of those, this, um, like the types of card games that you're referencing don't have to look like magic cards. They can move things and all that stuff. The fact that this card has to, one, have those design elements, and then two, still have the line text, the um, text box, the power and toughness box. Uh, it, it's almost like it doesn't all work together. So it does, yeah. in, that way, in that way, looks a little bit of a mess. But um, at this point, we've just we've just grown uh, to to love it just because we we've had it for so long we still use those symbols um for the uh, different cards types right very sparingly and like different, different yeah just not on cards yeah mm -hmm. yeah worth noting also the creatures the the vanilla creatures uh, in this border were full art oh, um yes. and i would not be uh, opposed to that coming back or especially like french vanilla creatures that just have like flying or vigilance like that going just below the type line and them still being full art i would love to see that again Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was, like, one common creature um, for each color. 
that was mm-hmm. full art. And was that the first time we ever saw full art cards for Magic the Gathering? Uh, no, the untapped and or unglued and unhinged yeah, uh, basic yeah. lands. For, for but sure. yeah, they, it was a very it was not like every set <laughs> type of thing back then. Sure, yeah. for sure. First, first non land yeah. card. I think I think that's a pretty good milestone. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so that was a cool thing they did that they uh, should maybe do that again. Speaking of cool things they did that they should maybe do again, you got the next one. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, these are the Kaldheim showcase frames. Uh, so these are um, you know it's it's a little bit of um, like Norse like etching engraving into wood that um, accompanies the frame as you can see uh, there it looks very uh, runic lots of um, uh, curly design patterns uh, and then those curls are colored um, so we have a narfi betrayer king which is a um, you know blue black creature you can see one half of the um, design elements are blue the other half uh, are black and I this and another one that I'm going to talk about um, I don't really have i mean the the design that's on it is cool um i think it's really cool how they how they did this but i think what i mostly like is that this frame really makes it seem like this card is from the plane and not from the game so to speak like you you look at this and you know of course this is from the norse plane uh you know the norse mythology plane because look at it Mm -hmm. it looks like it's a part of norse mythology from you know the etched dragon and all of the runic type stuff um that's on there and i think that's exactly what magic should be doing with these frames is basically having them be a way for you to be transported from a table playing a card game to the actual world of uh, the cards, and that's and I think that's what these frames really ought to be doing. Uh, Frederick, when you look at this frame, do you feel like you're transported to the world of Kaldheim? Uh Yes, I do. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think um, they did a good job with this one. They did a good job with Eldrain, which I think we talk about later. But like, whew. I really wish that they had done something like this for Theros um, beyond just like giving the planeswalkers their own uh, look. There was just a lot of um, there's a lot of potential, and I'm glad that they seem to be doing this with most sets now. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I think this looks really good. I think um, just giving them a unique flavor. I'm excited to return to older planes and see what they do with them. I was a little disappointed with the Zendikar Rising, um, like landfall cards that they did that treatment for because i thought they looked a little cheesy but yeah those those looked bad and very colored like um i didn't like the color washing that was on those yeah um those yeah. needed a second chance but i think they nailed it with these um oh absolutely this this is like this type of frame uh, like these showcase frames that they'll do in the future this is exactly the vibe that they should be going for no more no less yeah i i, I think i agree um so mm, Maybe the other most controversial pick for this list. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. This is Gut Shot, the home of the hottest takes for Magic the Gathering. And Frederick, I think you have the hottest take we've ever had on the podcast here. Um, so why don't you go ahead and dig your own grave here? Um, I really liked the Amonkhet invocations. I wish that they were more accessible, that they weren't like expedition rarity like every other box, because I'm never going to fucking own one. Um, but like, I love them. I wish I'd had a couple for my cube or for for random like modern decks or whatever. I've chosen Dark Ritual here just because I think you know the effect is simple. Which for if you're gonna make the um, if you're gonna make most of the card illegible, it should probably have a short effect or at least be a well known effect. 
Um, I'm not going to pretend that like the, the name and type line are easy to read. Um, they are in fake hieroglyphics. <laughs> um, pretty hard to tell where the letters begin and the weird little symbols end. But I think it looks good. I feel when I when I hold one of these cards on the rare occasion that I have, because again, they were expedition rarity. But when I held one of these cards, I felt like I was pulling a slab out of a pyramid. And uh, I, I don't know. It looked pretty dope. I, I really liked them. I like uh, I, I like I liked a lot of the art, and I'm glad they used some of the art on a, on Arena when they when they had the remastered set. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I was a big fan of this border, um, and I hope that when if we ever go back to Amonkhet, we get more of these, but like spread out throughout the rarities, so everyone can kind of experience them. Yeah, if we do, I, I'm willing to bet that's the route they go is to do the more sh- uh, showcase, and they get spread out. No, I actually think this is completely um, defensible. Um, I kind of agree with most of the community when they, you know, uh, talk about their um, aversion to this card. But you, you got to be, you got to be honest. Just like we talked about the call time cards, this is invocative. Like this is, I think, I think that these are like where Wizards was like, oh, you know, when we create these crazy frames and really. It gives us the power to transport the players exactly to the world. Uh, so this is like the first one uh, that was like super, you know, um, invocative. And you can see they uh, iterated on this with, um, or sorry, is Kaladesh came first, right? Yeah, Kaladesh came before Amonkhet. Which those look nice. And they were connected to the plane, but I don't think anyone was thinking about the Kaladesh frame or Kaladesh plane when they looked at that frame. Yeah, I, I think my point still stands. I think I think this is like the very first one that's like super invocative of the world it comes from. And um, yeah, so so I yeah, this this is definitely the milestone uh, in that trajectory. Um, yeah, I would yeah. Like, I would like to see him take a second pass at this, but yeah, you're absolutely right. These do definitely leap off the card uh so yeah i i'd love to see um a couple more of these maybe updated uh to modern sensibilities but no i think this is a defensible pick okay they definitely pushed away from function and into form with these cards and i think there's a space for that you've got a lot of enfranchised players and if they already know what the cards do you know they like stuff like (laughs) textless promos yeah but like so so i think there should be a place for cards that look like this you know um, with the Kaladesh uh, inventions, like if you were a newer player and you pulled one of those, you could still tell what it did, and like you know, you didn't have to like sort of like strain your eyes or like read weird font. Um, I did like the Kaladesh inventions, and I guess they kind of slipped my mind because I might have otherwise put them on this list. But um, yeah, I think I, I, I think the Amonkhet invocations deserve a lot more love than they got. I might need to buy some up. I might need to to pick my favorite and get a playset because I don't think they're too expensive right now. <laughs> Yeah, like get a daze or a, a dark ritual or some something for your for your cube. Just one of those uh, kind of uh, common than common cards. I think that'd be good. These yahoos are really going to be out here running four of textless cryptic command, and it'd be like, oh, I can't read all my invocations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. 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 Let's let's move on. Um, and actually, I'm picking something that you just said you weren't a huge fan of. I actually love the Zendikar Rising Expeditions frame. Uh, you can see it on the screen here. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of the love for these is coming from the fact that the a lot of these were just really sought after lands. Uh, as you can see, we have 
Scalding Tarn on the on the screen now, but I have to be honest. I actually really love uh, the border from this. It really highlights that um, you know um, Hedron uh, aspect of Zendikar. Um, it has those lines, uh, kind of like Kaldheim did, where um, it's very easy. It's very easy to um, like see the colors that are involved within the card through those design elements, and now that, that changes for all of the cards, of course. And mm -hmm. um, I, I just like how angular it is. It feels like a land. You know, we, we think of like these um, far-flung planes with these um, hostile environments, uh, you know, like being very, I mean, hostile, you know, craggy, um, you know, um, hard to navigate because it's not Earth. It's like a you know, hostile world. And I, I think this frame really kind of brings that jagged edge that makes you think, yes, this is a land. I get mana from this. Um, and I, <laughs> I probably missed the boat on getting these uh, expeditions at a good price. But I am yeah. still interested. If I were just going to buy um, fetch lands just straight up, I'd probably seriously look at what these non-foil, uh, what these expeditions non-foil are, and I would consider paying the extra premium to get these instead of uh, you know normal fetch lands. Um, so, uh, have I convinced you that these look good? No. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I do not like the angular designs. I don't like the geometric shapes. I do like that these were widely enough available that they put a slight dent in the price of fetch lands. Um, and that I don't have to buy them because they're not the cheapest version. Um, I do not like the angles. I think it, it looks like it's attempting to be futuristic in a way that I don't feel meshes very well with the aesthetic of the game. Um, it doesn't look enough like the rest of my lands that it would like kind of stick out like a sore thumb when I'm setting it down there. Sure. Like, yeah, like I, I need my cards to look enough like my other cards that it doesn't look strange when I'm slapping them down on the table. And I think this definitely fails that test. Uh, in a way that a lot of the showcases manage to still look like magic cards. Um, I'm Yeah, I'm just not a fan of these. Uh, I can understand why you like them, I guess. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I liked a lot of the art on these, but I just didn't like the border. So, But the only place the art, that art exists is in that border. Yeah, so, yeah I don't know. fair enough. And we also have to think, I didn't mention this, but the, technically these are full art. Um, it doesn't look like it because there is a text box that is a very, um, like, trans, excuse me, a transparent gradient over the text. Um, but you can mm -hmm. see the art behind it. It is technically full art. Um, yeah, I actually, and I do like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, maybe they could have tweaked that a little bit. Like, maybe, um, the fact, you know, made the um, full artness more of a important thing. And the card, they definitely, yeah. could, they definitely could have done that. I actually like the idea of the fetch lands looking visually different from the rest of my lands because the idea is that you play them and then you crack them. Um, and I, I think that looking a little different actually helps that uh, a little bit. So I actually don't think that's a bad thing at all. But I totally understand wanting your yeah. cards to be cohesive. That was one of the reasons why um, people didn't like white border cards. Um, they wanted all their cards to look the same. And, of course, they preferred the black borders, which were more aesthetically pleasing. Um, so that same yeah. argument uh, uh, applies here. Um, but I, I like these, um, and I, I know yeah. that I'm not alone on this one. I will say um, I do wish they would get rid of the transparent or translucent gradient on the full art cards and just superimpose the words over the cards. Pokemon shows that it could be done. Their full art cards look gorgeous. Mm -hmm. If you don't play Pokemon, it's just like looking up what a full art Pokemon card looks like. They look really good, and the attacks and the and the energy costs and the, the damage and stuff are just they're just imposed over the art of the Pokemon. 
uh, and those just look great. So I feel like it would not be too hard for Magic to sort of find that style, and I think that would look awesome on stuff like Fetchlands or just premium versions of cards. Uh, I think that them pursuing that style would be really good, and I think the translucent gradient um, kind of does a disservice to the art usually. I, I think it looks kind of messy in most cases. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, you actually have a very, um, another one that I would say was a real stepping stone in Magic uh, frame history. Um, why don't you tell us about your next pick? Yeah, so I wanted to talk about the Miracle Border, and this is a case of a border really serving a function. You know, we've seen this with, like, the split cards and with um, with the aftermath cards. I think this is a really elegant way to indicate, hey, stop when you draw this. You can cast it for cheaper, which is, of course, what Miracle does. Uh, I don't know why I chose Devastation Tide. I was just thinking that. Why Devastation? Were you thinking of the um, take an extra turn one Temporal Mastery? No, because I know I picked this one, but I cannot remember why. I think it was just because I liked the art. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there was some joke. I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, this is not one that sees play. Uh, there's a legacy deck called Miracles that's blue-white that plays a few a few different Miracle cards. But, yeah, I don't know why, why I picked this one, but I, I think I just like the art. But, yeah, um, Miracles were spells you could cast for cheaper when you right when you drew them. Uh, and they had this border to indicate, like, hey, before you put this in your hand and then you can't cast it anymore because you can't prove that you just drew it. Look at this and play it. Uh, and I think it did a, I don't know if I like it aesthetically, but it, I think it did a really good job of communicating that. It looks different enough right when you drew it. And it had that arrow at the top, which sort of like communicates the sense of urgency. So I think it did, uh, I think it did a really good job at what, it, at what it wanted to do. Yeah, it, it, in terms of having it, because this was not the era where we really had, uh, we weren't doing like new, uh, like, weird frames at this time so it needed to still be a magic card and still have all of those normal design elements but they had to add something to it and i think yeah like you said this is a great balance of having it be a normal magic card but also having a visual clue to a gameplay mechanic and i think this might be the first time we've had something like that that wasn't completely a necessity like level up had to be a different frame uh, for you know, for for reasons, but this was the first time where it was like this technically could just be a normal magic card, but just to make the game better as a as a uh, like a design or as like a gameplay design element, we're going to put an indicator on here to increase like the quality of gameplay. Um, yeah, I think I, yeah, I think that's it's um, uh, good that they experimented with this and it was mostly a success. Yeah. I, I I like it. And they could have just put they could have just not changed the border at all on these. You know, like you said, it wasn't a strict necessity, but I think it was a very good idea um, to put. Uh, I think it was a very good idea to put this other border on here. Yeah, and it set the, uh, it set the stage for other border innovations that we look back on and, and think were really good. Um, uh, did the original? Oh, oh, oh no! This may not be true. Um, the original Theros, I believe, had the Nyx border for enchantment creatures. Um, which oh was, yeah. Oh okay, okay, okay. So all right, so that would have set the stage for this, and then this would have Wait, been the uh, iteration. Uh, was before Theros, right? Um, one of us is going to get hate comments. Oh God. Um, and yeah, Innistrad um, was before Theros. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Innistrad block was before Theros block. Uh, what what frame was on uh, was on Innistrad cards? 
Well, this this the miracles were from Innistrad block. They were from Addison restored. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay, yeah. I, I I think the symbol here that's on this devastation tide is uh, uh, messing me up a little bit. Uh, but yes, okay, you're right. Yeah. You're you're right. I don't know why I was thinking of this as being years later. Um, you're you're right. Innistrad came first. Avacyn restored came out first, and then Theros came out with the enchantment creatures with the next border. So. My original, original point still stands. This set the stage for other border innovations that we look back on and think were a great idea, like the Theros, uh, Nyx borders. And um, I'm sure there's a few others I'm not thinking of. Uh, but yeah, so so this definitely a step in the right direction as as, as um, far as card frames. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. Um, so you've got another really evocative card frame next, one that you I, I would liken this to the Kaldheim. I think this one does the job a little better than Kaldheim, but mm -hmm. tell us about it. Yeah, and that's why I'm talking about now. Why I talked about Kaldheim first, I'm talking about the Eldrain Showcase cards now. Um, pretty much everything I said about uh, the Kaldheim Showcase applies here. Um, you know, this is meant to transport you to the world of, um, you know, fairy tales and fantasy. Um, so it's lots of, uh, we're looking at Lubstruck Bees here. Um, it's, you know, lots of vines, lots of, um, you know, fairy tale uh, design elements. Um, and these are all on, I believe all of these are on adventure cards, which means that there is... Um, two you know two parts to it there's the spell that you can uh, cast and then the creature on the other side so uh, on all of these it's a storybook at the bottom uh where mm -hmm. uh, the um adventure is on one page and then the creature is on the other and then all of the art uh for these are all um changed to be more uh not comic-y but you know like um storybook-y I think, uh, you know, like something you'd read in a children's or, you know, an illustration that you would see in a children's book. Um, I do think that these do the evocative thing better than the Kaldheim ones. Um, and maybe it has something to do with the fact that it actually has a book on the uh, on the frame. But everything I said about the Kaldheim uh, cards um, applies to this. It's just very invocative, and uh, it does the storybook thing in a very good way. Um, and this this is, I believe, the gold standard for these we're going to transport you to the plane through the frame uh, concept. Like, they should they should all be as good as these Eldraine ones. Do you, do you like these, Fred? Yeah, I, I love these. My only complaint was that they didn't put these on more cards. I felt like they could have done the, uh, the storybook thing with... Uh, on venture cards and stuff like questing so might have been cool believe might have been cool to see i absolutely love this border uh i love my um my bone crusher giants that are in this border i have them in paper um yeah i i was absolutely in love with this board i think it does a great job of evoking eldraine there was a there's a children's illustrator an illustrator of children's books who i cannot i think her name was barbara something i cannot remember but she used to do books where she would put, there was another story going on in the margins uh, throughout the book. And it would be, they were like a cornerstone of my childhood. And it looked exactly like the way that the vines move on the, or the way the vines look on the on the edges of these cards. Yeah. Um, I love those. And this kind of like bring, hits that nostalgia for me, but also I just think it's a great frame. I would be really hurt if they did not bring, that's probably a little dramatic. I would be disappointed if they didn't bring this back next time we go back to Eldraine. 
Um, and maybe spread it amongst non-adventure cards, because I think this border just looks really attractive. It's really, really neat. Really, whoever whoever designs this, like, out of the park. Great border. Yeah, for sure. Not much else to say about it. It just looks great. It's very invocative, and uh, they should uh, keep this. This is the direction they should go in. Um, so, um, and, and speaking of the direction they should going, I believe your next one is a frame that we are getting very soon in the future, right? Yeah, yeah, it actually hasn't happened yet. Um, but we are getting from the Biblioplex on the plane of Strixhaven. Uh, that's, that means library, right? <laughs> uh, it's not a real word. <laughs> Just say library. Um, okay, Biblio is the prefix meaning book, and Plex is... Uh, like a, a prefix meaning a large place. Oh, okay, all right. So we know this is the Harry Potter. Right, we know this is the Harry Potter plan. I'm pretty sure they just called it the library in Harry Potter. So like, I don't know why we have to be making words just uh, just to mean uh, cool looking uh, cool looking um, old cards. Just call it the library. I don't know what they call things in Harry Potter because I'm not an anti-Semitic transphobe. Oh, for but sure, for sure. Um, they do, this is not the Harry Potter plane. The magic school genre has been done before Harry Potter and better than Harry Potter. Sure. I am on a crusade against Harry Potter, personally. Uh, Long-time listeners of the podcast will know. Um, uh, I, I, I'm not going to make any violent threats on our podcast. Anyway. Uh, yeah, tell, tell me about the uh, Strixhaven uh, new cards. Yeah, so these come from the Biblioplex. Um, these are cool Basically, like, I love the idea, even if they didn't give them new borders, just they're one per pack, so they influence the limited environment, and it's just spells from Magic's history, so, like, Swords to Plowshares is one demonic tutor, but they don't become standard legal. So I think it's cool that you'll have, like, an extra powerful card in your limited pack that you'll have to think about taking in draft, but it's not going to fuck up... <sighs> it's not going to fuck up the standard environment. Like, it's, um... It's cool that we get these cards in limited, but... We don't like like so limit is a little more powerful. There's a little more things to think about. Anyway, we talked about this when we talked about these getting spoiled. But um, I love this aesthetic. This feels like an ancient scroll that I just pulled out of a library. Like I've I've got some big magical duel coming up, so I'm I'm going through the library. You know, I'm kind of like running through all the scrolls trying to find a powerful spell to cast. And this looks like I just unfurled one. It's got this sort of ornate design. Uh, it's got kind of a, a Da Vinci Code vibe. Um, like, an and the, like an illuminated manuscript. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Like with the naked dude with all the arms. Mm -hmm. It's just vibing. Um, and I love this art in particular. Uh, I like the art on the other ones too. But this art just... The way that the the straight line um, sort of divides the edge of the piece from the focus of the piece, the the way that the straight lines are contrasted with the circle um, that sort of makes a halo around the person's head. I love the design of the tattoos on her arm. I want a playset of these ops at least. This is beautiful. This is one of my favorite cards. So good job. Uh, image is too low resolution for me to read the name of the artist. Um, I love this. this yeah, this uh, is. I actually, I can, I can see why you like this. I would actually say this is a direct descendant of the Amenka Invocations. I can look at this card oh, wow. and see. I can, uh, I can look at this card and see where they said, okay, here is where we messed up with the Amenka Invocations. Here is where we, where we are going to fix that mistake. Um, so, like, I, I could definitely see a lineage uh, here. Um, yeah, huh. this this looks great. I love the um, the uh, the art style. Um, I'm curious as to whether that's going to be a unified 
unified art style or uh, like the frame will I'm sure be the same but I wonder if all the art's going to have like that design theme like you said she's got the tattoos it's very flat um, she has the halo the, you know and um, uh, stars behind her I'm really curious to see how that goes um i don't think yeah. we have one here yeah and also like just the fact that they're printing these old cards and uh you get one every pack like i'm really interested to see how that's gonna go um you know but you know me i'm a weep so i'm like what are, what, are the, what are the japanese players getting that we're not getting uh and uh we don't have one in the slides here um but there are going to be special versions of these in um like um you know, in Japanese, like ancient Japanese art style um, of these cards. I believe we've seen um, uh, Demonic Tutor um, so far, and it looks pretty sick. So if you're into that aesthetic, um, you're going to have really cool Japanese styled cards uh, in in the same vein. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see what those are going to look like. Yeah, I, I like those as well. I definitely like them more than I like the anime Planeswalkers from War of the Spark. I do not like language-exclusive cards. I think that's really silly. Uh, sure. um, and I think if they're going to do those, they should do them in every country that they release the cards in, but that's just me. Uh, but I do like them. Uh, my excitement is still high. I know I, I get really frustrated trying to get all of the Pokemon products that are exclusive to Japan because um, they do a lot of that there. And I get that because they like the game is bigger over there and they have it's made over there. But, like, I don't think there's really an excuse to make products exclusive to certain countries in Magic the Gathering. Like, it just doesn't really make sense to me. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, so this is upcoming. So we actually get to be very excited uh, about this for a while um, because we haven't seen much of what this is. So, yeah, it definitely yeah. increases my excitement knowing that there's a lot of cool stuff down the road that we haven't seen yet. So, yeah, this is a great pick. I hope we get lightning bolt. I would be really excited. If we got lightning uh, bolt, would you get these lightning bolts? Um, are these going to be standard legal? Uh, well, I guess they could. No, 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 no. Yeah, they couldn't They're be, not. right? Yeah. They just, Correct, yeah. They, they just affect the limited environment. But yeah, just knowing mm -hmm. that lightning bolt is um, lurking around in that limited format, man, that would be uh, that would be pretty cool. And also make it to where lightning bolt could possibly come into arena, historic format. Maybe uh, some of these cards are being legal and historic. Uh, some of them are just going to exist for the limited format and then be turned into other cards when you're done with your draft. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm gonna dream. Yeah. So, yeah. If if Lightning Bolt comes out with this uh, with this treatment, would you play them? Oh, absolutely. Or would you absolutely. stick with your classic ones? Um, I, I I would play the new ones absolutely. Um, because I would too. Cooler, I because they're just cooler. Yeah, but uh, and like a, a giant growth that reminds you what it does. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I will say that um, I don't play the uh, M10 style lightning bolts. I exclusively play my super old. I, I they're not like, uh, they're not revised, but they're like fourth edition uh, lightning bolts. I yeah. play those because they are white border, and I have such a nostalgia uh, for those. But yeah, uh, Strixhaven, uh, lots of exciting stuff coming down the pipeline to be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got another one, uh, and you actually picked this one. Uh, I like it too, but... Right, right. So the Saga card type. 
um, was recently introduced to Magic uh, in Dominaria, I believe, uh, and it looks a lot different than a normal Magic card. It's it's a, it's like a vertical card. Um, they're all enchantments. They come into play. Uh, they get a counter, and then they accrue more counters. So they have stages. You have you play it. You get the first stage. Uh, next turn, you get the second stage, and then the uh, next. Um, the next turn you get a third stage and then you sacrifice it. But since it plays so differently than other cards, we actually were able to change the frame to accommodate the style of card. Uh, and since we call them sagas, they're able to tell more of a story. And they've really experimented with um, you know, um, the design of the card, but also the art on the card, since it's a vertical type art now. These really tell a story. And um, I think that having the card frame be vertical really helps with that idea of the saga telling a story. And, and it also just gives you space on the card if you're using a counter to... Um, uh, denote which um, like section of the saga that you're on. There's even space on the card to move the counter onto whatever part of the saga you're on. Um, in terms of like invocative storytelling, top-down design uh, in Magic, I think they really hit a home run with Saga, and oh, a lot of that is due to the fact that they had the foresight to design this new card type or this new card frame to go with the new card type um how do you feel about the design of the saga cards yeah I, I think you know how i feel about sagas many of my favorite cards are sagas i love the eldest reborn i love this one that we put up here elspeth conquers death i don't remember if i picked that for you or if you picked it i, I picked, um, I picked it because I'm a, i picked it because i'm an elsa uh, i am a elspeth simp yeah, see, I um, am pretty neutral on Elspeth, but I do love playing with this card. I'm going to be very sad when it rotates. I love the first Arrowin games. You know, I could go on and on. There's a million amazing sagas. Like, a lot of a lot of the sagas they've released. They're always home run flavor wins, just because you can tell a story from Magic's history with them. Mm -hmm. um, I will say, I, I think the saga frame is not, like, great in and of itself, but it, it elegantly solves a problem which is that you can't put this much text on a standard magic card. I do not, I'm not a huge fan of how the art um, is only on the right side of the card. I just, I, I think this is the best way they could have solved. This is the least crappy way that sagas could look in my mind, but I am glad that they were able to bring us sagas mechanically. And I understand that this is a necessity in order to do that. So I do, I do like it. Uh, so you don't find the frame to like the way that it's designed to be that invocative of storytelling. I think that's defensible. Yeah. I, I think if they did sort of like they did with the Eldraine and like each of these was a, uh, was a piece of parchment or if they did like a murder mystery plane and the sagas had like post-it notes connected by thumbtacks or something for all the steps. I don't know if they did something like that, it could be cool. But I think in the form that it's in right now, it doesn't evoke storytelling. It looks like a uh, kind of like a grocery list, I guess. Sure. 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 Um, yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I can't agree with that. I, I do think this is very invocative of storytelling and you're right. We haven't seen a showcase version of a saga just yet that i know of uh maybe maybe yeah. uh, maybe called had a had a couple i'm not sure no but, um, not. yeah for for these once a, a saga gets a showcase frame um then i want to touch back and see how you feel about that particular uh design i think i would love it 
Right, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so sagas, I think, were great all around. Uh, and that was my last pick. Um, you know, lots of uh, magic history there. We have one more pick from Frederick, and uh, I am not surprised that you picked this one. Uh, why don't you tell us about your last pick? Yeah, so I miss game day a lot. I thought it was a really fun thing. Um, I know they changed the name, and then I think they stopped doing it. Um, but they stopped giving away these promos for sure. Uh, and they were really fun. You got one for playing and then you got one for making top eight. The one for playing was an uncommon from the set and the one for topping it, top eighting was a rare. Uh, and they were just four. Some of them were foil. Um, and they did, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, I think they should do away with the like translucent um, fades with the text over them and just superimpose the text over the art so you get more art because it's not really full art if half the art looks like it was whited out. Uh, and I think this Yahani's expertise right here looks awesome. It's a, a great example of exactly what I would like full art cards to look like. Um, and, you know, they did one for this. They did one for Skyship Stalker. They did one for some terrible um, creature from uh, uh, Kaladesh that no one gives a shit about. Uh, it has the thing where you could either make one ones or put counters on it. I'm getting ahead of myself. This This border looks good. I think this is the cleanest way to do full art magic cards. And I wish that these were more widely available. Like if a lot of if a lot of promos looks this way, uh, I don't know if I would need you to be able to pull cards like this from packs. But like, I don't know. I just like these full arts. I think they look clean. I think they look like a magic card. Uh, and I think they just in, they they let you take a good piece of art like this one here uh, and just you know make that the focus of the card, especially on cards that kind of define standard formats that everybody's going to know what it does. Like unsubstantiate got one of these, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, this card looks great. You have Yehenny's expertise um, here. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that this type of card is perfect for promos. Um, I, I probably wouldn't want these impacts. I would want these to be like, hey, you know, if you go to this tournament and you be a part of the community, you can get something that is clearly cooler than what is in the packs. Um, I, I, I like that. Um, you're right. Uh, this, um, it just being all art and then the text superimposed onto the art looks great. Like, this is a perfect uh, example of how they can do this and it look really good. Um, th yeah, this, this, this card just looks gorgeous and is definitely, and it's old border in the, or it's, uh, it's full art in this. It's, let me, let me retry that. It's, it's full art, but in an old style border. So this almost feels a little nostalgic in of itself, right? This is like mm -hmm. clearly like how magic used to do uh, full art. So it's even kind of a throwback in that sense. Um, so that's yeah. definitely something that magic could hang on to um, and be a draw for older players to, you know, Keep, continue to keep playing magic because they can get these cards where the design kind of harkens back to old school magic um so there's something, yeah. there's something there yeah i think they could do this with like straight up old old border like they brought back for time spire like if they did full arts in that setting i think that could look good i think there's a lot they could do with this design and i would like to see more of it i would like to see more showcase cards just be full art yeah, for sure, for sure. I will say, yeah. um, game day. I never participated in game day. I thought it was kind of they were always standard. <laughs> they were, yeah, they were always standard, and, and that's the thing. I never, I never liked the game, or um, I never liked the name game day because to me, it's like, isn't every day game day? Like, do you not play magic every day? Like, what makes this particular day the day where a game gets to be played when these people are playing the game every single day? It's, it's like, why, we, why couldn't you call it something different? Game day just means nothing in the sense of people who play Magic all the time. 
All right, well, what would you call game day? Uh, I think sh Standard Showdown, which is the name they went to, I think is a little bit better. Um, and, and I never liked the idea of store championships either because it was just a tournament. You know, they do tournaments every single week, but apparently this one tournament is like the championship of the entire store. That just made no sense. You can't have something like that without some sort of, you know, like season, like a seeding for that uh, particular yeah. tournament. I think Stainless I feel like they could have, yeah, I, I, I feel like they could have called it like Community Day community day or something and oh, gotten more casual players in and oh, given everybody perfect. promos to playing. Oh, that's perfect, Fred. Yeah, the, they need to hire you. That is a great idea. Yeah, Wizards should hire me. I sent my toenail clippings to Mark Rosewater's personal address. I do that like once a month and they still haven't hired me. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, game day promos um, are a great pick. I think all of these are great picks. Um, I think... There have been missteps, but I think that, like, the fact that we're looking back on card frames, like, we're looking back on their first attempts at changing the card frames nostalgically and liking what they did, I think speaks a lot to, um, you know, the optimism that we have for the future of Magic card frames, I'd, I'd say. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. I think there are ones we'd want to see back, but... I mean, looking at Strixhaven and ahead, I think they're getting better and better at making evocative borders that, like, sort of show off the aesthetic of a set. So this is – there are parts of Magic I'm pessimistic about, but in terms of card frames and the people who get to design them, uh, I think Magic is looking better by the minute. And I'm excited to see where they go in the future. So props to the design team uh, who is in charge of that. Listeners, do you think we're a bunch of rutabagas? Uh, do you are you upset that we missed your favorite card frame? You know, you want to uh, tell us how our opinions are uh, uh, utter trash and uh, how we need to stop our podcast immediately? Please comment down below. Uh, we want to hear what is your favorite card frame and how are we and what exactly type of rutabagas we are. So please uh, let us know. Yeah, will you explain to us how um, rounding the bottom of the card to put the rarity seal on there is killing magic? Yeah, for sure. So great discussion on card frames. Uh, why don't we wrap this up with a little talk about drip. Um, Fred, look, I, I'm old. I'm like 30 years old. Can you please tell me what we mean when we say uh, drip? Drip is like when an outfit slaps. Slaps. Yeah, it's uh, it's like uh, you have uh, you have you have aesthetic sensibilities. Well, you have a good. A good, you put your clothes together well. Okay, okay. Well, there are tons of magic cards out there that are, um, that I would say have drip, right? Right? And we can't talk about all of them, but I think that we could do a little bit of ranking within some sort of, um, uh, some sort of, um, uh, topic group, uh, something yeah. like that. So I, I thought, why don't we uh, spend a little time uh, talking about our favorite church, the Orzov Syndicate? And uh, you you got you got to admit, lots of great uh, outfits in that uh, that group, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so for sure. We're going to be power ranking the drip of uh, six Orzov cards we've got here: Tasa Karlov, Dark Confidant, Maw of the Obsidat, Angel of Despair, Cartel Aristocrat, and Grasping Thrall. You, yeah, we'll start off with Ace of Karloff. Well, well, we don't we don't think you don't think of the church having drip, but I think the Orzov uh, uh, the Orzov Syndicate really puts that to shame. Like this this is the drip church, I would say. I think I think this church has drip, uh, absolutely. So um, right off the bat, I'm going to say Grasping Thrall is at the bottom for um, stealing Siege Rhino's style. 
<laughs> um, he has ripped his drip off of Siege Rhino completely. The uh, your opponent loses three life, you gain three life. Was fresh when Siege Rhino is doing doing it, and grasping for all is just posting cringe. But the the mask is good though. Like just that solid brass mask just looks it looks so good. Um, probably should go to the dentist. Uh, <laughs> that smile isn't uh, isn't doing them any favors. But um, yeah, I would I would say um, he's probably the um, like most physically um, attractive uh, person out of uh, all these cards. Um, and you know the grass. Yeah, grasping thrall. Uh, so I, oh, yeah. yeah, I think that really goes a long way. Um, you know, his fit, it's pretty good. It's just a skin. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. So cartel aristocrat next. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is very classic. This is like the closest we can actually get to church wear here. Um, and uh, fancy hats. Uh, always a plus in my book. Yeah. Yeah. The when you look at icons of drip, you're talking Playboy Cardi, you're talking Lil Yachty, you're talking Pope Francis. Um, and I think that Cartel Aristocrat is really serving the latter. Oh, yeah. Um, I like the big, the big uh, lemon wedge hat. Um, <laughs> definitely the, contributing to the drip factor. Yeah, yeah. As the um, the YouTubers say, she is uh, serving a look, so to speak. I've only heard that on ContraPoints. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, well, Angel of Despair, uh, you, I, I have to say, um, having the uh, shaved head uh, and those uh, very dangly earrings, that is definitely a look as well. Yeah, she's serving that Caillou drip um, right now. Uh, I remembered the name this time. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I like the, the like key earrings, um, which means she's either got some cool goth um, vibe or she's in the Kingdom Hearts, in which case zero drip. You go to drip hell. Um, I like the sword. Um, it really contributes to the vibe. Her expression says she doesn't want to be there, which is core to like the the sort of goth aesthetic. So I would say she definitely has drip. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely doing the uh, big titty goth girlfriend uh, uh, situation uh, there. Um, I don't think that wizards would actually like print this art. Uh, they, they might as a throwback, but like no new magic cards are going to have art uh, with a uh, with a woman with a um, uh, outfit like she has. So I, I yeah, think, yeah, I think the SJWs have ruined magic. I agree with you. I, th I think yeah, I think that's a that's a good point there. Um, but I got they're going to give a, every every female character the Lola Bunny treatment. <laughs> oh man, um, well, uh, <laughs> should, I was should, should I make a pet the rabbit joke? I, I don't know. Um, but um, okay, I <laughs> yes. But I got to talk about my boy Mod Obzadat. Uh, I I have always thought this is true. The best thing that like the the most attractive thing you could possibly wear is a smile, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, I would actually watch the insipid fucking uh, British royal family do whatever dumb shit they do on the news if they were wearing, um, if instead of just, like, subtly fucking over the poor people of England, they were wearing, um, you know, big gaping malls on their stomachs that just swallow up uh, the poor people in London. Um, I think that would be much more uh, transparent as to what they're doing. I think Maw of the Obdizat is really interesting because I think it's a metaphor for the child molestation that happens in the Catholic Church. Ooh, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sort of a metaphor for like all of the fucked up things that churches do. It's just kind of more obvious here. Like They're not just abusing people and taking away their futures and their lives and their livelihoods. They're literally just swallowing them up into the stomach of this beast. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's a poignant metaphor for, for what religion does. If I may put on my fedora for a minute. <laughs> no, no, for, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think, man, you know, it just gives another, um, uh, gives another meaning to flashing those pearly whites, right? 
and this yeah. also this also makes me just wish I could like it was um, like we are in pandemic time, so we are wearing uh, you know cloth masks around our nose and mouths to uh, keep everybody safe. But I you know it's time uh, you know Moth Opsat really inspires me uh, to normalize just wearing full metal masks like completely covering your face. I I think that we should get to this point in in fashion so I can walk around just wearing just like a complete like you know metal mask over my face implying you didn't just wear a guy fox mask everywhere you went in public before the pandemic oh yeah yeah yeah. uh okay we gotta talk about you know what a lot of people consider to be the the goat a dark confidant uh i mean this guy absolute classic card classic outfit are you vibing with what uh, dark confidant is wearing what what bob is wearing yeah yeah i think i think bob certainly has drip i don't think you could really argue otherwise um I can't really tell what vibe he's going for, but I think that in and of itself is sort of the vibe. I like his staff. I like what he's putting on, putting down there. He's got his home homie behind him, sort of gassing him up. Uh, I can't tell what he's doing with his hands, but it looks like a you know, look at look at my man. He's got drip, sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and if you've got that guy backing you up, I don't think anyone can say anything. <laughs> yeah, that guy's like your blood scrubber could never. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, cl- absolute, yeah, absolute classic. Does you know? I mean, you know, if you're going to take uh, if you're going to take damage for drawing your cards, you want the guy doing it to you to uh, to look uh, this good. Um, but we can, we and can't been imitated so many times, but never duplicated. <laughs> that that's true. That's true. All hail the king. Yeah. But uh, we we have to talk about um, you know the um, um, the. Um, a poster daughter for um, the Orzov, Tesa Karlov, looking absolutely sick. Um, loving those like um, little coins, sigils. Um, I believe they're coins. Um, you know, adorning uh, you know her um, outfit there. Um, very ornate yet very stately. Like this per, you know, this person has a ton of power via this um, this outfit, right? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think. Um... The coins have like uh, I, I, okay. I, I I'm gonna go against. I don't think Tesa has a lot of drip. Um, I used to volunteer at a YMCA, and when the old ladies would come in for Zumba, they would have uh, just wreaths of coins on them. They would like around their waist. They would be wearing like a basically like a skirt of coins chained together, so that they jingle when they do their Zumba. Yeah. And I always thought it looked pretty cringy to be honest. And I think Tesa is really embodying that vibe. She's got the coins all over. She looks like she's about to go to a Zumba class. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's really that's really unfortunate. Well, I like it. I think I, I think that, the, you know, this is an outfit of someone who would absolutely step on me and I'm here for it. <laughs> Dark Confidant steps on you and draws you cards, though. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so uh, to, to wrap it up, I want to hear your list, but I think that from, from what, what I'm looking at here, I think it's got to be number one, Dark Confidant, number two, Maud Opsidat, number three, Tesa, number four, Angel of Def- uh, Despair, number five, Cartel Aristocrat, and I, I'm sorry, Thrall, man, I love you, but you're number six, Grasping Thrall, number six. All right, I think I would have to go number one, Grasping Thrall, number two, Dark Confidant, number six, or number three, Maw of the Obdizat, number four, Cartel Aristocrat, number five, Angel of Despair, and number six, Tasa Karlov. Ah, uh, man, man. Okay, okay, okay. I will, um, uh, I will continue to do a podcast with you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we can hope for at the end of each episode. 
Um, speaking, speaking, speaking of that, of, speaking of that, I think I think we're here. How how you feel about ending this one? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be ending this episode actually with something a little bit special. Sure. Um, so this will be a dramatic reading of my erotic Magic: The Gathering fan fiction, Trampled by the Siege Rhino. <clears throat> the hot Abdan, Abzan sun beat down on my scales. Oh, okay, as I okay, okay. We're done. All right, all right. Thank you for listening to this episode. Of Shot. If you're watching this on uh, YouTube, it means the world to us. I if you the like Rhino the video of me and subscribe to our channel, um, massive me at aggressive uh, rhetoric, Rhinoc Frederick is at war crimes Ubu on Twitch, swinging or between at Fred S B on Twitter, um, and you can follow the show on Twitter I at Shot Pod.